0: I couldn't think of a uh, more fitting song for today than that to start the show with. But, uh good morning. Welcome to 1410 WIZM, The Plant Doctor Show. You know, I was saying before that uh, it always seems that right as uh, the kids head back off to school, we always have a heat wave. And it always coincides with the uh, with the uh, pools closing and, you know, the kids having to get back out. And there are an awful lot of plant-related things that uh, do happen this time of the year, and I did want to talk about those today. But I wanted to start the show on a little bit of a different uh, track. Well, it's still plant-related. But something was brought to my attention, and I checked it out, and it seems that all the trees, that, uh, or not all of them, but a good portion of them, uh, that are planted on the boulevards back behind Cooley Golf Bowl, you know, in that Stonebridge area, are pretty much all maples of assorted varieties. And, yeah, that's sure going to look beautiful come, uh, you know, autumn's color change, if we have one this year. Uh, who knows, this heat wave coming up might just burn the leaves off the trees. But there is one thing that history should have taught whoever planned this, and that's you should never plant the same species right next to each other, especially one after the other after the other after the other going down the line like uh, they have over there. Now, the younger generations uh, did not live through this, so they don't remember, but uh, something happened back in the 60s with our elm trees. Actually, the uh, problem dates back to the 1930s uh, when it was first introduced to the area, but it was really not until the 60s that it became a major, major issue, and that was Dutch elm disease. And Dutch elm disease is a uh, fungal disease that spreads – through the root systems of the infected trees. It also, uh, spreads, uh, by the dropping of tree litter. Uh, you know, mainly twigs and leaves and such like that. Now, today it's hard to find an elm tree, even though there were once the most heavily planted tree here in the country. I mean, think about it. Every town has an elm street. We even have movies about elm street. But, uh, it's hard to find an elm tree anymore. And the elm's ability to cast a wonderful shade over our properties and grow just about anywhere in the country was unfortunately the cause for its downfall. This created a condition that was called a monoculture, which is when you have only one species of plant. And if you only have that one species and a disease targets that particular species, you're kind of screwed because there's nothing left to fall back on. Now that, you know, there were so many elms that the uh, root systems and canopies of the uh, trees interlocked and sometimes went for miles in all directions. And this set the stage for elm disease, uh, Dutch elm disease, to spread like wildfire across vast distances of the country very, very quickly, much faster than the emerald ash boris is uh, spreading across the country. And, uh, you know, the communities had them planted everywhere. So there was no stopping this disease. And it soon killed over 80%. I mean, think about that. 80% of uh, the elm trees in North America. And the next 19 followed very slowly as, you know, the luckier trees were planted far away from the others. And... uh yeah, it took them a while to die. Now, aside from the Chinese elm, which has much smaller leaves than is usually considered to be a weed tree, nowadays it's, even, it's rare to even see an elm tree anywhere in this country. Now, Dutch elm will not bother the maple trees that I mentioned before, but there is another disease which can and probably will. And I know for a fact it's in that area because I was, I've gone for calls up in that area about this disease, and it's called Verticillium wilt. Now Verticillium spreads almost exactly like Dutch elm does through the tree litter, into uh, woven root systems, yada yada. It's a soil-borne disease, and this disease is, like I say, it's very common in this area. And I used to get, on average, a couple of uh, dozen calls, which turned out to be verticillium a year. And uh, verticillium can be compared to hardening of the arteries in a human. It attacks the vascular system of the tree. And if one person was to cut a uh, secondary or a larger branch of an infected tree, you could actually see the disease, uh, a difference in color in the wood. You'll see a darkened area. Where the uh, disease is attacking the uh, vascular uh, uh, part of the tree. And once a tree gets this disease, unfortunately, it is a death sentence. And you can prolong its life by providing an environment which is relatively stress free and, you know, cleaning up underneath it uh, quite frequently. But you're only delaying the inevitable. And to give you an idea how tenacious this uh, disease is, you cannot plant another maple tree in that spot that had an infected one for decades and decades. Uh, The disease will persist in the soil. So this means that down the line the city of Onalaska is going to wind up needing to replace a lot of these boulevard trees all at once. But something can be done to lessen the chance of this happening. Simply call out a few of these trees while, you know, they're still reasonably smaller and replace them with different uh, species. I would say a maple, you know, every fourth or fifth tree would uh, be good. And it'll still be pretty too. But uh, there's no guarantee that uh, the trees are not going to get it because it is in the soil in that area but you're not going to be uh, dealing with a whole bunch of trees dying at the same time either. And I know why people, you know, plant all these maples uh, together. They think of, uh, you know, out in Vermont and upstate New York, New Hampshire, uh, the pictures that they see of these gorgeous falls. And driveway is lined with maple trees running up to uh, a house, and it's a dome of orange during the summer or during the uh, autumn rather. And it, they're just beautiful when they're uh, in full uh, color. It's breathtaking. But unfortunately, out east, you don't have the problem with Verticillium wilt that uh, we have out here. And it does exist in some spots, but nowhere near as heavy as it does out here. So it's something we're going to have to deal with. And I'm not saying not to plant maple trees, but just be careful and don't plant them too close together. Okay, that's going to take us uh, to our first break. We're going to take a little bit of a break right here, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. But if you've got a question about anything that's green or growing please feel free go ahead and give me a call or shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And we will be right back. And welcome back to the Plant Doctor Show. If you got a question about anything that's green or growing, it does not have to be about the uh, subject that I'm talking about at all. Uh, it could be about your lawn, garden, trees, shrubs, houseplants, if it's looking a little crappy and wondering why, uh, please go ahead and give me a call. Shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. Now, as I was saying uh, back during the uh, weather forecast before, we can always expect a warm-up as the kids go back to school each year. And this year looks like it's not going to disappoint. Uh, with highs pushing past 100, Mother Nature is truly a bit uh putts. uh she teases us with a couple of fall like days and she's going to spring this crap on us. It's going to be interesting to see how this uh autumn plays out. You know, we've gone in and out of drought conditions since the spring and this super high heat uh it could wind up having a major impact on fall colors this year. Uh who knows, uh, we're starting to get some rain now, so maybe uh it won't have as bad of an impact as I think it will. But let's go ahead and uh, go over the phones. we got one phone call coming in. Uh, two open lines, 608-785-7914. Good morning. You're on the plane, Doctor Show. Who's this? Hey, Jim, what can I do for you?
1: Yeah, so uh, and if you've covered it, I can go back to the podcast, I guess. I have missed your show here lately, but uh, raspberries. I moved some raspberries last year, and uh, they produced this year. And then there's, like, twice as more brand-new shoots this year. So what do I do? And they're done producing. So what do I do now?
0: Okay. Uh, there are two schools of thought in this, Jim. One is he cut them down to the ground and uh, just, you know, be done with them for the uh, winter, or you can group the canes together and tie them with uh, tie the uh, canes uh, with like uh, some tore up uh, pieces of nylon stocking, uh, so they're not whipping around in the wind or in the winter. But if you do that, you're going to want to spray them with an anti-desiccant. Uh, that's a uh, you do that uh, late fall, and basically it keeps those nice dry winter winds from totally drying the plant out. Uh, it, for, the most, for lack of a better term, it keeps them from getting freezer burned over the winter, and uh, that will help them out quite a bit. But uh, other than uh, most... Can you
1: have together? Say how, again? Like, how many can you have, like, in a bunch? I mean, can they be, like, grouped really tight?
0: Or? Yeah. Uh, the, you group as many together as you can get into a uh, bundle. And, you know, you're going to have to wear gloves, of course, when doing this. But I uh, used to take them and as many as I can fit between uh, my middle finger and, you know, the tip of my uh, thumb. And, you know, uh, hold them together while I wrap the, the stocking around them to uh, tie them up. So it's, you know, really going to uh, depend on how far apart they're planted, you know, if they're going to reach each other or not. Uh, you don't want to be, you know, bending them way over to uh, reach another group that you're tying together. So, uh, you know, if you got to do a couple of different groups, uh, go for it. Okay? So
2: what about thinning them out? I mean, how many can you have together without choking them out? Uh,
0: raspberries generally thin themselves out. and the, uh, Patches can get pretty thick before they'll even start doing that. So I wouldn't worry about okay. that for a while. Awesome. It. Okay, you have a great day and uh good luck with those. <laughs> Bye. And, yeah, uh raspberries are one of the they grow wild. You don't have to do anything with uh them, uh very honestly, uh but that is the better care is the way that I would look at it. Uh, But, yeah, thinning out raspberries, I never had an issue with that. Uh, I've seen some pretty thick raspberry patches. I mean, ones that only a rabbit can go in and out of. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I remember one time my dog dragged me through. I had the leash uh, looped around my wrist, and he chased some animal into there, and he dragged me right through a raspberry patch. That wasn't too fun. But uh yep, going back to talking about the uh weather impact and everything that we're gonna have this year in this area. And like I was saying, I hope this heat doesn't just totally ruin our fall force. Uh well, we shall see. Oh, we got another call coming in, so let's jump back over to the lines. Good morning, you're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this?
2: Oh, good morning, Mr. Dan.
0: Hey Dan, how's it going?
2: Going great. What can I do for you? Yeah, I've got a question. You've probably answered a million times before. These uh, plant boxes in the yards are all the rage now. Mm-hmm. And short of going and buying topsoil at your local uh,
0: box store or whatever,
2: what's the what's the best source of topsoil that you might want to grow vegetables in next year or something?
0: Good question. Okay, and you can use up any of the uh, topsoil in the area. I would not use soil from a farm, though. Uh, a lot of times uh, they will mix in, uh, you know, Roundup into their soil and stuff like that, and unless you have the uh, correct seeds, uh, your plants are going to wind up croaking on you uh, because you need to have the seeds that are uh, for the plants that are made to grow through Roundup. So stay away from farm soil, but any good source of good, rich topsoil. And now, uh, what you may need to do is amend that soil. Uh, a lot of times, like out in the coolies, you get a lot of uh, heavy clay. Uh, anywhere else in the area, you tend to get a lot of sand and loamy soil. So if that's the case, you're going to have to change up the soil a bit. If it's heavy clay, you can add stuff like peat moss to it, uh, you could uh, throw in some uh, blown gypsum. Uh, that'll help loosen it up. And then you want to incorporate some uh, organic material. So if you've got like a uh, compost pile, uh, you can go ahead and you know uh, incorporate some of that humus into the uh, soil as well. And that'd be perfect. So if fill. you're if
2: you're out in an area presently,
0: it's
2: it's it's a rural type area and you've got a garden it's pretty much clay i've been trying to add to it for years Mm -hmm. and that's all you can really do is just keep enhancing it is all you're saying
0: right now uh you're going to have to enhance it uh you know uh add those things the one thing i wouldn't try growing in that type of situation would be tomatoes any longer Uh, those i would grow in pots and i would grow them with new soil each year and, uh, each year you can take that soil from the, uh, tomato, uh, pots and pour that into your raised garden, too. But, uh, I would not reuse that soil for tomatoes, uh, year after year. Because so raised. that's
2: kind of my, that gets to the, that the heart of the question is, I want to be able to grow decent tomatoes. And, you, and my hearing, you're,
0: am I hearing you right?
2: You're saying the only way to do that is to use the, the,
0: to grow them in a pot, yes. Uh, The reason is is there is a disease that is in the area. It is across the country right now, and it is uh, basically the same thing that caused the uh, uh, Irish potato famine. And uh, this disease hits uh, tomatoes, and it causes what's called late blight. And that's where your plants will look great all season long. You'll just start to get tomatoes, and then they start to go to look like crap, and they die out on you. And uh, your plants will die out and thin out uh, before they really have a chance to have you producing. And the best way to uh, keep away from that is to grow them in pots. Keep the pots up off the ground if at all possible have them on tables or something like that because it is a soil borne disease and like I said change the soil every year and that's not even a guarantee that you're not going to get the disease because it can be uh, vectored in by insects and uh, birds and such but it will definitely lessen the chances of you getting the disease okay right okay thank you okay you're quite welcome and good luck with that Dan And, uh, yeah, that is a problem that a lot of people are facing right now. And uh, until they come up with a new variety of tomato, and they're going to do this through, you know, genetically modifying the old ones, uh, it is what it is. And we're going to wind up uh, not being able to grow the older heirloom varieties of uh, tomatoes. The uh, newer varieties are being bred disease-resistant, but they're not disease-proof. Unfortunately, every time they think they've gotten a disease-proof species out there or variety out there, boom, the disease morphs, and (laughs) it starts attacking them too. So this is a rather difficult one to uh, overcome, but uh, we will eventually. Okay, we're going to have to take a break and take care of some news, but we'll be right back here at 1410 WYZM and the Plant Doctor Show in just a minute. Go ahead and give us a call. Shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And we are back with the Plant Doctor Show, and we've got a caller and a text uh, just waiting to come on, so let's go ahead and take care of the caller first, since I already hung up on him once by accident over the break. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? This is Jerry. Hey, Jerry. What can I do for you?
3: Well, hey, I have a question that a few weeks ago on one of your shows, uh, you were talking about. I, let me give a quick background. I have a, a water fountain outside, mm-hmm. and uh, I get mosquito larvae in it every three, four, or five days. Okay. And it's kind of a hassle to clean out. Okay. And you were talking about some something called ducky or something that you put in there to uh, kill the larva.
0: That wasn't me.
3: That wasn't you.
0: No, but I can tell you what I would do to uh, keep the uh, larva from growing in there. Now, they do have uh, things. If you go to, oh, let's see, where could you go to? Uh, any pool place, uh should have this uh, material uh, it's a little tablet that you drop in the water uh, you count as many gallons as you have and you have to determine how many uh, tablets it will take uh, for the correct dosage of uh, you know the pond of water that you have or pool of water that you have and uh, that will keep that from happening if it is a small enough thing I'm like it's it's,
3: it's small I there's under five gallons in it.
0: Then in that case, what I would do, uh, do you have any animals uh, visiting it, or is it just a well, uh, fountain?
3: It, it's like a, a big uh, uh, bath dish with a little cement figurine in it that, you know, shoots water out.
0: Okay, and it's moving water. because That's strange, because usually moving water won't do... Uh, Mosquitoes uh, that well, but
3: well, go ahead. Uh, you know it's not moving a lot. You know? Okay.
0: Uh, what you want to do is go ahead and uh, every few days go out there and throw in a couple tablespoons of uh, Clorox bleach into the water.
3: Okay, that that won't poison the birds and stuff. Not a,
0: cu- not a couple of tablespoons in a few gallons. That won't phase them the uh, least bit. And uh very honestly, it dissipates within an hour or so after uh the sunlight hits it too, so it's yeah, it's it's
3: in direct sun,
0: yeah, and it dissipates very, very quickly after it's out in the sunlight, so uh mix it into the water, and that should take care of the issue right there for you, okay, thank- yep, thank you you're quite welcome, and good luck with that, yep, bye-bye. And that gives us uh, two more callers and a text. And the text is, what can you say about oak wilt? Oak wilt is very much in the same lines as Verticillium wilt and Dutch elm disease, as it is a soil-borne disease. It is spread through the soil. It is uh, spread by connecting oak trees uh, that have interlocking root systems. Uh, and it is spreading across this area like wildfire, very honestly. It's uh, done a lot of damage out by Fort McCoy in that area. Uh, It was doing a lot of damage out there 10 years ago even, Uh, and it has been spreading this way. Uh, Best way to slow it down is, again, uh, root pruning, uh, do not allow your uh, tree's uh, roots to interconnect with others uh, by cleaning up any uh, litter underneath the tree and keeping it clean. Uh, that will help out. Also, once a tree gets infected, it is a death sentence, but it is not an immediate death sentence. You can, you know, extend the life of the tree quite a bit by uh, providing a stress-free life, making sure it gets well watered during times of drought, uh, prune out any dead material and dispose of it uh, make sure any pruning is done correctly and again cleaning up leaf or tree litter underneath the oak trees and underneath an oak tree that can be quite a chore because you've got all the uh, acorns and such too you're going to have to rake up that counts can't be mowing them into the soil anymore you have to rake them up and uh, get rid of them but uh, that will help you out quite a bit Okay, that gives us uh, two more callers. So we're going to jump back over here to the uh, phone lines and uh, no text. 608 Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this?
1: Hello, Mike. My, my name is Nick. I have a question for you, and it is kind of plant-related. Okay. I have, and I know how common it is in Wisconsin, underground beehive. Ah, yeah, so that, that's pretty common. Yeah, and it's like six feet from my door, uh-huh. and they were just swarming. and You could see, you know, they push up the soil. And what I did, I poured bleach and hot water, boiled water, and I covered it up with topsoil. Are they going to come back, or is that a common thing in Wisconsin? It's uh, very yeah.
0: common. Uh, now, first off, let me ask you. Yes. They, uh, because there's a couple different types. Uh, are these yellow jackets, or are these much larger than yellow jackets? <laughs> me okay you garbled up really bad there for a second i'm okay, sorry you garbled up really bad there when you were answering me
1: okay can you hear me now
0: yes okay good uh w- what size are they are they normal yellow jackets or very large i would say normal normal all right yeah. Okay, uh, because there are ones that look like large yellow jackets that actually pose very, very little threat to us. Uh, they're scarier than hell to look at, but uh, yeah. they're very mellow bees. But, uh, well,
1: yellow jackets, six, six feet away from the door, I got nervous. Yeah,
0: <laughs> the regular yellow jackets, though, I mean, they're the, I can't say that word on air, but they're the real jerks of the bee world. Uh, okay. and you don't want them around. Now the yeah. best way to take them out without getting stung too is number 1 you have to know exactly where the nest is, okay? Uh right. and two, you go they have a product on the market uh there's many products out there. Uh Black Flag has one, there's another one from Shoe Fly, Raid has one. But they're old, cold uh, bee and hornet killers. You're going to want to get the foaming type. There's okay. two. There's one that shoots a long uh, ways, and there's another that foams up. You want the foaming type because okay. the one that shoots for long ways is the ones that you blast at the nest up in the trees with. The okay. foaming type will create a foam plug, It'll, you know, eventually dissipate, of course. It's a wet okay. foam. But it will create a foam plug in the uh, ground as you're shooting in there. And as long as they don't have another hole to come out of, it will keep them from attacking you when you're spraying it. But you're still going to spray it at nighttime uh, because the bees all go back to the nest at night. Now, that way there you're going to get a much better kill. And also, since they're all inside the nest, you don't stand the chance of anybody coming home and saying, "Hey, that guy's attacking my house."
1: Right. Right.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. See, I remember, uh, you know, to bring something up. You know, originally I'm from the Boston area, and I remember my dad was planting a tree, and he he hit a hive, and he ended up in the hospital, and he thought he was allergic, he almost died. And when I see these in the ground, it's like, and we're talking, like I said, close to the door. And like I said, I didn't know what to do. I put bleach, hot boiling water on them, and I covered up with topsoil, and it looks pretty calm. But I'm just worried they're going to come back. That's that's a scary part, to you be know, I, I know.
0: wouldn't. I would not recommend doing bleach or hot water. Uh, one okay. bleach might do the trick. Very honestly, actually, both okay. of them might do the trick if you get to the hive itself. Uh, the okay. thing is, is that. A lot of times the holes go down, and then they go back up again. So if you're pouring yeah. bleach or hot water, that's going to go. it's going to keep going down. It's not going to go back up. Where the bees okay. have to uh, come up through the hole when you spray this uh, other stuff in, and as soon uh-huh. as they touch it, they're going to die within a couple of seconds. So, okay, uh, gotcha. Yeah.
1: But is that a common thing in Wisconsin, oh, yeah. the
0: underground beehives? Is uh, that unfortunately, unfortunately, they're very common. Uh, okay. They're pretty much okay. common no matter where you're at. Uh, I don't okay. know of any place in the world where they're not common. Uh, okay. Well, I,
1: I spent 20 years in Phoenix, and I like deal with scorpions. <laughs> so this is different for me.
0: Well, yeah. you, know, you got got scorpions and tarantulas out there, and here are occasionally uh-huh. monsters. But uh, uh, they're lame compared to yellow jackets, let's face it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I appreciate your advice, and I'm going to do If I see them come back up, I'll do the back black collecting that you recommended, and I really appreciate your advice, and I don't really didn't know this is a common problem here, yeah, but it's I learned common. a lot, and I appreciate your advice.
0: Okay, no problems. Uh, oh, and another thing. Make sure you wear yeah. a long-sleeve shirt and pants. Don't oh, yeah. Doing it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never go out there in a is wearing shorts and a short-sleeve shirt. No, 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 no. I know better than that. <laughs> okay, very good. Thank you, sir. Okay, you take care now, and good luck with that. Okay, bye now. Uh, Yeah, uh, one of the worst stingings I've ever had is when I was a teenager. And uh, this is one of the few times that I was out actually getting ahead of the game. I figured I'd uh, pull the weeds out of my mom's strawberry patch, which sat right outside our uh, back door. And I wrapped my hands around a big old clump of grass that was in there, and I pulled it out. And not only did the grass come out by the roots, but also a yellow jacket's nest came out by the roots. And my arm was just instantly covered with uh, these bees. Now, in typical fashion of a male teenager, I was running around screaming at the top of my lungs, and some very colorful words were coming out of my mouth. And my mother sticks her head out the door to yell at me to stop screaming. I told her with more colorful words, to get back inside the house as I was running down to the lake, and I wound up diving into the lake to get these bees off. But uh, my mom took me to the uh, doctors, and uh, they stopped counting at 50 stings. And I wasn't allergic at that time. And uh, the doc said that any time after that, it might be one sting, it might be two stings, It might not ever happen, but I could have an allergic reaction since I had that many stings. So I have to be careful when I'm around them. But, uh, yeah, they stopped counting at 50, and uh, it was just bad. Okay, we've got one more caller, and uh, no text, 608-785-7914. Good morning. You're on The Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? This is Ken. Hey, Ken, what can I do for you? Um,
1: well, I have a question about mushrooms. Ah, go ahead. Um, they pop up all over in our yard, and they'll be when you first when you walk across them when they first come up. They're maybe the size of a half dollar, mm-hmm. and then they come up, and then they're like three, four inches in diameter, and the stem is about the size of your thumb. and And I'll go out, and sometimes I'll I'll pull twelve, fourteen of them out of my yard. Mm-hmm. What causes those?
0: Okay, mushrooms are very interesting, and it's one of my favorite subjects to talk about. Uh, And that all falls in with fungal diseases and stuff like that out in the lawn. Now, mushrooms, believe it or not, are not the main plant. They're just the flower of a plant. The main plant is made up of mycelia, and that is like little spiderweb tendrils. And this can go on for... Ever in your soil, Uh, the main body of a mushroom uh, or the fungus that's causing the mushrooms to happen can be feet, yards, even up to miles wide. Uh, They have seen, they have the ability to tell how big they are uh, from satellites. And they can see in rainforests that there's actually these fungal colonies that are over miles wide in the rainforests. So all the mushrooms are, are flowers from them, and the flowers uh, produce the seeds or what's called spores in this case, and uh, that's the way it propagates. Now, the uh, it generally happens because of uh, there's a spore or something underneath the ground that is trapped in a piece of old wood. And uh, as the uh, ground gets wet, uh, the spores come out, you know, loose from the uh, old decaying wood, and they will go ahead and sprout, and eventually up come the mushrooms. And that's why you always have them up after rains, or your lawn's been watered for a period of time, or extremely humid uh, weather, because that's the perfect conditions for them to grow in. Now, uh, mushrooms are different than yeah, the treatment for a mushroom. There is no treatment for mushrooms, unfortunately. Uh, if you can treat a fungal attack to a lawn, but you can't go after the fungus itself. Uh, you can uh, keep it from harming the grass. But there's no way to stop mushrooms from growing. Fungicides will not do diddly squat to a mushroom. they can bathe in it and laugh at you. But the best thing to do with them, and uh, people always get a kick out of this, is I say, hey, practice your golf swing on them. And, you know, take them out that way. At least you get a little bit of fun in. But uh, really that's all you can do. Uh, Mow them over over with your lawnmower and practice your golf swing. Uh, There are some that are good to eat. And there are some that will kill you. And there are some that will do some really nasty things to you in between. So unless you're an expert, I would not recommend eating any of the ones that you see out there growing. Uh, but it can be a fun thing to learn from an expert uh, which ones can be, uh, you know, uh, edible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, go about it that way. But I would make sure you're talking to an expert first. Okay. Okay.
1: Okay thank you Thank you
0: very much, sir. Okay, Kevin, Good luck with that. thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's really about the best advice I can give about mushrooms. Uh, I can go into some stories about uh, past callers that we've had that are quite humorous, but uh, I won't. But uh, yeah, the, if you're going to eat a mushroom, make sure it's safe, please. And tell your kids, especially if your kids like mushrooms on pizzas or something along those lines, uh, make sure that they know that not all mushrooms are equal. Because there's some that will grow out in your lawn, and they're very, very common that can kill you sure as you uh, stand in there. So you do not want your kids eating those. Okay, we're going to take a break and take care of a little bit of business and let's see, a little bit of weather, but we'll be right back here at 1410 WIZM in just a couple of minutes. Go ahead and give me a call. Shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. Hopefully this is summer's last hurrah. And uh, one thing I do want to say really quickly, too, and I, it's so important. If uh, we go into uh, a hot uh, spell like this, if you know somebody that uh, can't get in out of the heat, please, you know, you know, if they've got a, an older couple, they don't have a central A.C., maybe they've only got a tiny little uh, one-room air conditioner or whatever and doesn't do well inside their house, invite them over to your house. Uh, let them stay there. Let them keep cool. In this type of weather, I'll even, and I'm not one for giving panhandlers, uh, you know, money and such, but, you know, have a couple, uh, pick up a couple spare waters when you're, you know, stopping in a quick trip or whatever, and uh, give them a water if you're not inclined to give them some change. Uh, Make sure that anybody that's outside working uh, stays well hydrated and does not stay out for long periods of time in this heat. Uh, th- thankfully, the smoke has left us. We had another run with smoke yesterday, but that's gone for now. Hopefully, I'm praying it doesn't come back with this heat wave. Uh, and that would just be like turning the knife. But uh, who knows? Mother Nature's got this thing uh, for being a putz to us. But uh, Please, and also, of course, remember your pets. That hot, don't and I scoff at people. Oh, it's in the 80s. You can't be walking your dog down the street. You no, a dog will let you know if the street's too hot for them or not. 100 degrees. That's definitely too hot for them. Uh, get them off the blacktop. Uh, keep them on the grass. And again, make sure your pets have a uh, good supply of water. And if you're into birds, put some water out for the birds too. Keep a just keep a bucket outside for animals in general. Uh, they'll make them really, really happy and, you know, they'll greatly appreciate it. Especially with these, uh, temps that are coming up. And, yeah, we started talking about, uh, the, uh, colors in the fall and I'm not sure how we're, how this is going to impact because this is really high heat this time of the year. And, uh, the reason why colors change in the fall to begin with, is that the tree is reabsorbing the chlorophyll, which resides in the leaves. And uh, the chlorophyll is there to help the uh, tree digest its food through the process of uh, photosynthesis. And the chlorophyll is green in color, and that's what makes our leaves look green. But the leaves' colors are not truly that color. Uh, A maple's tree is orange or uh, yellow. Uh, and uh, once that chlorophyll is reabsorbed back into the leaf it will show its color. Uh, aspen trees are yellow they're not green uh, Oaks have a reddish color to the leaves and you know this is they all show the true colors when that's absorbed back in and you need the right weather conditions for that uh, chlorophyll to be absorbed in. One is the tree needs to be actively... You know, uh its vascular system needs to be up and running well with a fair amount of moisture. Uh, let's face it, if there's no sap, that chlorophyll isn't going to move. So if it's a dry season, that will uh, keep it from happening. High heat can also uh, cause some um, mess-ups in that too. So I'm not sure how that's going to come into play. But the right combination, uh, the combination that they have back east that gives them the really striking colors is nice warm days in the fall with cool, crisp, uh, frosty nights. And, uh, you know, plenty of moisture in the uh, ground. And uh, that way there the trees can, uh, you know, get rid of the chlorophyll as needed, or as the end of the need comes. And it goes back into the tree, leaving behind the beautiful colors. And if it happens right, it happens very, very quickly. And the the result is uh, what you see in, like I was saying, you know, the northeast, you know, uh, Vermont, and New Hampshire, upstate New York, uh, Maine. uh, The the states are strikingly beautiful. Out here we get changes, and we do have a change of color, but it's usually not as widespread as we have out there uh, in the uh, northeast. But it is what it is, and things do look
2: good out here, too.